I want to thank Dean and our singers for leading us so helpfully in the praise of God today. And open up your Bibles with me again, please, to Psalm 32. Although today, as we turn to God's Word, we're nearly going to spend as much time looking at the background and what it is that we have already thought about in David's life as we do in this particular passage. And that's really my little kind of subtle way of, of helping people not to panic when we eventually look at the psalm and you think, oh, that's the introduction and it's going to take ages to do this. But as we return today, just think about David's life. We're thinking about David, the forgiven sinner. And it's so important that we recognize the sequence here, what it is that we have been looking at the last three times we have come to God's Word and looked at this series on David's life. Why did David need forgiveness? And why is it that forgiveness is our greatest need? Well, it's simply because sin is such terribly bad news. So if we think about what we have discovered about the seriousness of sin over these past couple of times, looking at God's word in David's life, as we have looked at that low point in the life of David, we have discovered that sin damages others. In the case of David and this low point, it was Uriah who lost his life because of David's sinful actions. But we've also got to see, especially as we looked at Psalm 51, that sin damages us. It impacts on our lives when we are openly living in sin and rebellion against God. And the ultimate thing about sin, of course, is that it damages our relationship with God. And there is nothing more serious than that, because when you think about it, and when we get all philosophical, that is exactly why we are here. As in, in the world, not here at church today, we are put into this world. We are alive to be in relationship with God, to live for His glory. And what we got to see over the past couple of times is that sin is ultimately an offense against God. So that at the end of that terrible chapter that we looked at three weeks ago, 2 Samuel 11, it actually looked as if things might turn out okay. Yes, terrible things had happened, but now David had brought Bathsheba to be his wife, and maybe they could just disregard all that had happened and play happy families. But no, the very end of that chapter, verse 27, but the thing David had done displeased the Lord. And later on, when confronted with his sin, and when he entered into this process of repentance, David understood this himself. So that in that psalm of repentance, Psalm 51, he says to the Lord in verse 4, against you, Lord, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Sin harms our relationship with God. It does that in an ultimate way because apart from Christ, we are separated from God now and forever. But even if we have a relationship with God, even then, though sin cannot 
remove that relationship. It cannot bring us away from God. It can damage the blessings of that relationship. So that in that same Psalm, in Psalm 51 verse 12, that's what David asks of the Lord. Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Make our relationship and the joy of that relationship the way it used to be. And so given just how serious sin is, at this point, is there any hope for David? And by implication, is there hope for sinful people like you and me? Well, please keep in mind that all the way through this series, we are focusing on a much greater king who was still to come, King Jesus. Remember that this is part of a much greater story of our ultimate king and savior, the one that God would send to rescue people from sin. And once again today, we are reminded that Jesus is our only hope in life and in death. In fact, today, as we come to Psalm 32, it brings us right to the heart of the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ. But once again, I say the sequence of these events is very important for us to see because it's not a case of David the sinner all of a sudden becoming David the forgiven sinner with the only thing in between being a oops, I messed up, casual kind of apology. No, it's not like that. Remember last time we considered the bit in the middle, the bridge, and that is David the repentant sinner. Because forgiveness can only be found where there is true repentance. That is a genuine sorrow about sin. That is a change of direction, a turning away from sin and back to God. And it is a commitment never to return to sin again. It's a kind of repentance that started in David's life when Nathan confronted him with that story that I was telling the kids earlier on. And we think about David's reaction, how he burned with anger. He says that the rich man deserves to die. And then comes the punchline in verse 7 of 2 Samuel 12. Nathan, having told the story, David having cracked up about it, Nathan points the finger at the king. And he says, you are the man. David, that's you. And it prompts him to write the words of Psalm 51, and it conveys his brokenness. Verse 8 of Psalm 51, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. And what I want you to know today is that as was the case with David, when there's that kind of brokenness, when there's that kind of grief about sin, when there's that kind of repentance, then once again we come to discover that yes, our sins are, they are many, but His mercy is more. So turn with me to Psalm 32 where we meet David, the forgiven sinner, and he speaks about how precious 
forgiveness is. And I want us to concentrate on the opening two verses for a while because they begin with the same word. Look at those verses again. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Verse 2, blessed is he whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. And we often translate that word blessed and think of that word blessed as meaning happy. And that gets us some way to understanding it, but it is much, much more than that. It's a word that is connected with another Hebrew word, and I'm not going to try and do that kind of way Hebrew speakers would pronounce it, but it's hesed, and it's God's loving kindness. This blessing is experiencing God's loving kindness at being lavished upon our lives. And so the big message of this psalm is that forgiveness is a very good thing, that forgiveness is a huge positive in our life. And so as we look at these couple of verses, let me answer a few questions very quickly. The first one is, why do we need forgiveness? And we have already gone a long way to answering that question, even in this sermon so far, but especially over the past couple of weeks? And I guess the ultimate answer is that we need forgiveness because sin is an offense against God that makes us subject to His judgment and therefore deserving His punishment. That's why forgiveness from God is absolutely essential. But then in verse 2, David highlights a big problem in our lives as sinful people. I want you to look at the second part of verse 2 again, where he specifically says, blessed is the person in whose spirit is no deceit. And that might seem strange. First of all, David talks about sin in general, but then he specifies this particular sin of deceit. So what's this all about? Well, David is talking there about the way in which we deceive ourselves. He's highlighting something that he understands from his own experience, and it is something that is common to us all. How we deceive ourselves that sin is not our problem, and therefore forgiveness is not our greatest need. And what this psalm is saying is that we cannot deceive ourselves and then enjoy genuine happiness, enjoy the blessing that God wants to bring to us. The Bible calls us to be honest about ourselves. Indeed, the Bible helps us to be honest. It's, it holds up a big spotlight that shows us what we are really like. The Bible reminds us that we are iniquitous. That means our sinful nature makes us prone to wrongdoing, that we're prone to, to moving away from God. God's Word reminds us that we are transgressors, that like Adam and Eve, we tend to go where we shouldn't go. We overstep those good boundaries that the Lord has put in place for our good. And the Bible reminds us that we are sinners, that we fail to live up to our own standards, let alone God's. 
But the problem is, we refuse to recognize this. We're in denial about our sinful condition. And the way in which we convince ourselves that sin is not actually a problem for us at all is we compare ourselves favorably to others, and every single person does it. So that I was listening on the radio recently to a documentary on the radio about prisons. That's how I roll when I'm driving along. You know, it's, it's all fun stuff. But I was listening to this documentary, and there was a guy being interviewed in a prison in London, and he was a, an, an armed robber. He'd been convicted of these armed robberies, and they were pretty serious offenses. And he was saying, you know, I wouldn't have anything to do with those people down the corridor. You should see the stuff that they've done. And churchy people, people who dress in a particular way and who gravitate towards churches, we can probably play that game better than anybody else. Oh, well, you know, I know things aren't just perfect with me, but at least I'm not like your woman. At least I'm not up to what your man's up to. Are you living a lie? Are you deceiving yourself that sin is not your problem at all? Because if you do that, you will miss out on God's forgiveness and the happiness and the blessing that it brings. So then how do we find forgiveness? Well, these are wonderful gospel verses, the opening verses of this psalm. And they bring our attention to that much greater king that king who God would send to save his people, Jesus. This brings us right to the heart of the good news of Jesus Christ. Because as you look at those opening verses, it's so important to see David is not saying, blessed is he whose sin is ignored. That's not what we're reading. It's not blessed is he whose sin is ignored. And maybe we would be inclined to think, well, why can God just give us a Bible? Why can He not just ignore sin, overlook it? Would that not be the loving thing to do? But this all gets very deep because it brings us right to the heart of the nature of God as revealed to us in Scripture. And what we discover is that He can't ignore sin. God cannot turn a blind eye to sin because He's holy. It's His nature. He is a just God. And when you think about that, ultimately that is good news. Because think about a world where sin did not matter to God. Think about history, the Holocaust, genocide across the world, what Putin's doing in Ukraine, all of that stuff. And if God just thought, well, you know, I'll just look the other way. What kind of a God would he be? And what kind of a world would we live in? And what kind of hope would we have? So what God has done about the great problem of sin, well, these verses tell us. David says in praise, verse 1, blessed is he whose sins are covered. Verse 2, whose sin the Lord does not 
count against him. And that's the thing. There has to be a reckoning. There has to be a settling up. Sometimes when we have gone away to stay in places, I'm the kind of person, I want to pay up front. I want to know exactly what I'm going to be paying for if I go and stay somewhere for a few nights. And I'll admit, I get kind of nervous when you go to the reception and they keep saying, oh, no, no, don't worry about that. We'll get that all sorted at the end. But the ultimate thing is, I can't just lift up my suitcase and dander on out and just leave it at that. There has to be a settling up. There is an account to settle. And the Lord must count sin. But the thing is, He counts it against someone else. He counts it against His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what happened at the cross. So that our forgiveness comes through faith in Jesus, trusting that His death paid the price for our sin by faith receiving the righteousness of Christ so that we can then stand before God accepted by Him. And I simply ask today, have you found this forgiveness, found in turning to Christ, turning away from sin, and turning to Jesus? But finally, what are the benefits of forgiveness? Well, we know that ultimate benefit that Scripture reveals to us, and that is the benefit of having peace with God through the price that Christ paid at the cross. That is an eternal benefit. That's the incredible thing about the gospel, that when we are made right with God, that is a done deal, and the terms of it will extend for all eternity so that we will be in His very presence. That's the hope that gets me out of bed in the morning. That's the assurance that makes all the difference to those who are God's people in Christ. But you'll see that in this psalm, David also talks about the immediate benefit of experiencing God's forgiveness. The wonderful truth that we discover here is that those who are forgiven by God in Christ feel the benefit of forgiveness here and now. So that Paul uses, or so that David uses that word blessed. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. And he's experienced this in his own life. He talks about the contrast between what it was like before he was forgiven, verses 3 and 4, and then what it's like once he has experienced the forgiveness of God in verse 5. So look at beforehand, very quickly, verses 3 and 4. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. We literally see God's hand in this, that it is God who is convicting David of his sin. But then the contrast, when he seeks God's forgiveness, verse 5, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave 
the guilt of my sin. So that the forgiveness that David experienced from God led to blessing in verse 1. It led to rejoicing in verse 11. And as we come to the end, I want you to reflect on what we have discovered about David's life in recent weeks. We can't pinpoint when this particular Psalm, Psalm 32 was written. But given the contrast that David has just highlighted, given that this was his experience, our minds inevitably turn to those darkest moments of David's life, to those terrible events, that sequence of sin that he fell into with Bathsheba. And we think about the extent of his brokenness and his guilt when when he was confronted by Nathan, David, you are the man. That's your story. And I think this is so helpful for us to see. Because the David who fell into the sins of adultery, of cover-up, of murder, the big-ticket sins that we would probably want to think are, are nothing to do with us. That is a David who writes this psalm and who speaks of the experience of God's forgiveness in his life. And I believe that some people here today need to hear that and understand that so clearly because while many of us deceive ourselves that sin is not our problem at all, some of you Deceive yourselves that your sin is too great a problem to be forgiven by the Lord. And yes, you deserve God's punishment as I do. But he sent his son to take that punishment. And through Jesus, there is forgiveness for those who truly repent of their sin, no matter how great that sin is or was. So that we sing, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. I remember being on a beach once, I think it was in France, and they were taking people for donkey rides, children, you know, for donkey rides down this really long beach. And the donkey wasn't on message at all. The guy who owned it, he had the right idea of what he wanted to do. This donkey was not for moving. And the man had literally to kind of yank this donkey, drag it down the beach with some wee child on the donkey. And as David puts it in verse 8, in this world where there are challenges and problems enough, don't be like the horse or the mule stubbornly pulling away from God pulling in the other direction. Come to him. Find the wonderful forgiveness that is found in Christ and what he has done. And know the blessing, the joy, the peace that forgiveness brings.
Amen. And while we've been singing,